0: So thrilled and delighted to finally have Diana on my podcast. So, thank you so much for being here, Diana. It's always a pleasure to talk to you and catch up. Would you please introduce yourself to the audience? Sure. My name is Diana
1: Crash, and I, like you said, have a podcast called Your Highness Podcast. And I am also a writer and content creator in the cannabis space, and I am so excited to join you today. I am i am such a fan of the show, so, and you,
0: I'm a fan of you. Yes! <laughs> so, everyone please check out Your Highness podcast. Diana has about five seasons, is that correct right now? Oh, yes.
1: We're about to start our sixth yes. season, so. And they're... Sixth. Sixth. <laughs> That's a hard one to say, sixth season. <laughs> sixth so, we're about to begin the one that comes
0: after five. <laughs> Whatever Season is beyond six, five, perfect. that's where we're going.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Between five and seven is going to have to. <laughs>
0: yes. So, as you all know, this is metaphysical AF, and today we're going to be doing something a little different. We always know that I'm talking about different things and bringing up different aspects of our physical world, and and the things that we have to deal with that are a little bit beyond that. So as usual, we're a one-stop shop for your everyday curiosities about the human experience and how you can empower yourself to take action and do different things to create less stress in your life because we should be like Life is supposed to be fun. That's why we came here to live. And today we're going to talk about something that is not really talked about a lot uh me and diana talk about it all the time so (laughs) we literally had to put it into this podcast format and that is going to be spirituality without accountability Yeah.
1: (laughs) that's a big one in this industry or this industry being plant medicine right like that we see that a lot. As a matter of fact, I'm even seeing it being addressed on programs mm. like uh, Samantha B and things like that. Because there is this weird, uh, oh, I I think Trevor Noah just did a did a special about it. It's like this weird like intersection mm. of like fake spirituality and obviously we'll talk more about it, you know, and and, and delve into that some more. But like without right. accountability it's just so hollow you know like you were just like you were just saying you have to take care of yourself and and a lot of that involves being accountable as a person to yourself and also holding other people accountable
0: right and I think a big misconception especially now that uh especially, well, in our industry, the cannabis industry, but in society in general, cancel culture has made it to where accountability gets this uh, veil of harassment or abuse when it's like, no, I'm not abusing or harassing you. Mm -hmm. Someone's just trying to hold you accountable for either what you said or what you did and people witnessed it.
1: The difference between bullying someone because of a bad action or a mistake or whatever you want to call it and actually holding them accountable is taking what they're doing after the fact into account like are you actually giving them credit for what happened after that mistake are you or are you just dragging them unnecessarily and trying to ruin their career there's a very big difference between those two
0: Right. There is a very big difference. And a lot of the times, especially in this industry, I feel and I see that people get called out for things and then they don't change their behavior and then they actually form an echo chamber of other people who exhibit the same behavior and then they all piggyback off of each other. And that's where we get this whole quote, support women in cannabis movement, right? (laughs) Right. Like <laughs> like there are some really
1: valuable parts to that, right? Like, yeah, sure. Yeah. I want to support women. I want to. That's what my podcast was born out of the idea of that. But also being a feminist for me means including all of the genders. And that means non-binary people as well. and And it also means including everybody under that umbrella, you know, not just what you think right. the version of that person should be not. And, and also it includes, like we just said, accountability. If you're saying unabashedly support women without critique, without critical thinking, then right. you're setting yourself up for another situation like Harvey Weinstein or, you know, mm-hmm. insert whoever, whatever predator here, because, As you know, and I know, and over the years have heard many, many stories about women are complicit at times in Mm -hmm. covering up these acts because they, and and the other women, the women that are experiencing this abuse and and these attacks and things like that, they don't feel safe coming forward because the very women that they think are supposed to help them and protect them are protecting the people who are the attackers and the predators and all of that. So it's like, if we're, if we're just saying support women, support women, don't say anything negative. Don't call out anything. Then that's like such a blanket (laughs) statement that can be so dangerous.
0: Yeah. And it goes into the concept of spiritual bypassing of acting like everything's just love and light and sunshine and rainbows when it's like, it's, It's definitely not, it's absolutely not. And if you, you know, if you take a stance or you, you know, do whatever to, you know, essentially say, yes, I'm going to support these women, but I'm not gonna speak up when things are wrong or when things are not, you know, when I see something that's not okay, especially when I see another woman doing something that's not okay, we have principles that we have to stand by. And bypassing the fact that everybody has, everybody, no matter who they are, uh, is improving every single day. And they've definitely, like, we've all done things that we're not proud of. But the the blatant, like, the blatant ignoring of the things that are done is it doesn't move the it doesn't move anything forward it doesn't help us evolve it doesn't help us figure out how to fix these problems right. because they just keep getting cycled and recycled over and over again with every new women's group that opens they've all got the same yeah. I mean, and not Plus every of, single one of them, right. but they're all the same at the, keep at the core. Keep it positive.
1: Keep it light. Keep it above board. Like I've had people say, oh, you're so blunt. You're so, I appreciate your candor. Like behind closed, you know, so to speak, behind closed doors, right? Like like mm-hmm. telling me, but I can tell that they don't like my energy because maybe it comes on. Maybe I have been too angry in the past. I will admit that. Like maybe I do come across with like a little bit too intense of an en- energy, but like the thing is, I don't understand how we can grow as as women when we're always holding each other back with these weird preconceived notions and things like that. Like, we need to address those things. And furthermore, not even just saying what, what bad behavior, right? Like, we need to just cover all of the things that really make right. make women empowered, okay? Like, why are we not talking more about the lack of support that poor women, disabled women, mm. queer women have in this mm. industry. Like we, and I'm talking not just like support on social media. We need. Right. Equal, you know, we need. Like real support. Real support, financial support, child care reimbursement, fully realized benefits that make it actually livable for the person to have the job you know, like quality jobs, (laughs) quality jobs, even let's just start there. You know, instead of talking about how many women are in C-suite positions, let's talk about the lack of quality jobs that are available for for everybody else who can't fit into that C-suite role.
0: Right. And it's We know that even just outside of the cannabis industry, when you go to get a job, you're not immediately put into the C-suite. You have to work your way into that role. And sometimes it takes years. Yeah. And that doesn't seem to be the case with the cannabis industry. No. Is people can be, you know, because of the regulations and because of the compliance in different states, uh specifically here in California if you were a business before 2018 and you were in the prop 64 medical type of a structure when the when it changed over to become recreational if your business wasn't set up correctly, or you needed to trans like transfer your business into a different kind of structure from an LLC to a C Corp, you have to have officers that go into those roles and you have to have a board of directors. And this is something that people in this industry don't really grasp or understand. They just think, oh, I can just make a brand and I'm the CEO or I'm the chief whatever, yeah. Making up different C-suite things that don't actually it has to even be based exist. In reality. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Right. Uh, right, my partner just said that to someone earlier on the phone. Is that's not based in reality, right? And right. I, I think I have that argument every day, um, because as we know, we see a lot of uh, fake accountability yeah. or fake acknowledgement and fake recognition because it's paid. Right. it's the pr- the privilege of being able to pay someone for pr like the yeah. women who are in cannabis who don't have child care but they still have a job but they still have to pay for the child care and their job doesn't give them anything extra or give them any kind of leeway to be able to do that right. they're not the ones that are featured uh On social media or in magazines, or like they don't, and a lot of the problem is they don't know who to contact because these people, and a, a lot of the times, the people that are the PR people or a lot of people that are the publicists for people in cannabis, they've got their blinders on like a horse. Like they only see what's right in front of them and they, they right. don't really look to the right and the left to see the disabled women and, and men and trans people and all of the people that actually made it, made it possible for right. us to have access to cannabis. Absolutely.
1: It's, yeah. it's insane. And if I can quote Koa Beck really quickly right here. Yes, please. It says, and she's not talking about cannabis. I should make it clear. She's just talking about white feminism in general and, and like what we're talking about, basically. In a time of alleged heightened feminism, women of color and poor women are being left behind. And yet the trappings that uniquely target us like poverty, incarceration, police brutality, and immigration aren't often quantified as feminist issues. Uh, which I have a lot to say about that, but I'll I'll just go on to further this quote here because this is more to the point of what we were just saying. The reason there's so much dissidence between what a female CEO says you can do and the lived reality of what you can feasibly do is that this type of feminism wasn't made for us. We need a movement that addresses the reality of women's lives rather than the aspiration of what they hope to be. And that's like a huge thing in what you are just talking about because it's like, This idea that you have to be a CEO, you have to be a hashtag girl boss and all of that is so antiquated and so tone deaf. And it leaves out the reality of so many people who can't even afford to pay for their cannabis, let alone, you know, have a self-made career where they're, you know, because let's be honest, most of the women that are in this industry are working from home. They don't Mm -hmm. get childcare or anything reimbursement subsidy mm-hmm. and you know as a single parent it's like t- it's triple the cost and and mm-hmm. and the barriers so it's like why aren't we talking more about that you know
0: right right you're exactly right and you said something earlier that a lot of the times you're perceived as kind of like brash or, you know, uh, what's the word? Like you, you, you come off strong. Um, and as you know, in your experience Mm -hmm. as a white woman, that like, it's, it's this concept that women cannot be assertive and, especially in a space mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. you know quote unquote yeah. male dominated like we live in a world that's male dominated we live in a patriarchal type of world still like we're still in this 23,000 year cycle that hasn't switched over to go back into this divine feminine um and it's just it's really it's really unfortunate because when we talk about white mm-hmm. feminism Uh, there's a difference in being a white woman who is a feminist and being a white feminist. Mm -hmm. Right.
1: Yeah, that's a huge difference. And I know a lot of white women have this like instant like attack, like they feel personally attacked by that (laughs) that statement. And if you feel personally, right, exactly. That's exactly what it is. But it's also ignorance because I think like, You know, even like think about the suffragettes, like they thought they were helping all women, but that's because they were so cushioned in their privilege that they did not see what was going on outside or they chose not to see, I should say. It's not that they didn't see. And and so I think a lot of it is like if you're if you're saying that, if you find yourself in that moment going, well, where is my safe space like as a white woman? Then, you know, I think, you know, I first of all, just, don't, like, say loud, right. first, like, don't, don't say that out loud. Right. Don't say that out loud. I've had people say it to me out loud and I'm just like, you, you said, that, you said the thing, you said the quiet part out loud. Um, anyway, but, you know, it's like, it's like, just sit with that for a moment. If you're really thinking like, this is a personal attack. So, like, think about it a little bit more. What what, what? personally do you think someone's attacking about the fact mm-hmm. that you're in a group that is so privileged that you can't even for a minute think about how it could be wrong? Like, that's how privileged yeah. you are. That yeah. It's just like an unbelievable concept. Right. <laughs> that you could be in any way excluding other people. How do you think that? How do you think that and in the moment still say, well, yeah, it is kind of white and I guess we could do better. Like, I mean, come on now. Those two cannot exist in the same space. Like you have to sit back and be quiet and listen. And that's not to say that you're not valid and your experience isn't valid and you right. are As a human can't share your experience, right? But right. there is a time and a place for it. And we, as white people, need to acknowledge that we've always had a time and a place where we can say right. our spaces or say our things that we experience. We can share our experiences. And and you can say, oh, well, I'm at this intersection and that intersection. I'm X, Y, Z, and dot, dot, right. dot, dot. It's still right. not the same thing. It's not the same thing. No right. matter what you insert, it's not the same thing. It's just not. And if you're finding reasons to to try to like justify why you think it's okay to say it is the same, you know, that's where you are doing the wrong thing. You are on the wrong side, you know, like trying to find out information is not bad. That is not bad. Like going back to what we're saying, there is value in women supporting women. There is value in keeping it as positive as possible. Like, you know, during certain times. Sure. Right like (laughs) putting things out into the universe that are positive instead of negative.
0: Right, your intention matters. Like your intention, that's where it comes back to is the intention of a lot of these spaces is exactly what you just said, is someone is like, well, where's my space? Okay, I'm gonna make this my space. I'm gonna make a space that's for me and other women. But the intention behind it Comes from a place that is, I'm being attacked, I'm not being seen, this is personal. And I encourage everyone, especially white people, to read the four agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz because the first agreement is don't take anything personally. Don't. Everybody does everything. Like everybody's driven by their own self interests. We're not driven by someone else's self-interest. We don't survive and, and wake up. You don't wake up and go to work. Uh, I mean, unless you're a parent usually for someone else's self-interest. And, that, and the basis of it is it's still in your best interest to provide for your child. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, but we don't, you know, we don't wake up every day or we shouldn't wake up every day and be driven by things that are not our actual intention. Because it doesn't work, it it always doesn't work out in the end.
1: No, that's right. I totally agree. So, so one, of things,
0: one of the things that I wrote about for us to talk about was something that I honestly, I didn't even, I didn't realize this for like the past couple weeks actually. And that it was, um, I see a lot of comparisons to uh when I see these new groups come up where I see these like organizations of uh, women in the cannabis industry cycling the same women over and over again, it feels very much like uh, we're in suffragette time. Mm -hmm. Like there's something wrong and we have to make it right. Let's do this. Um, And while the 19th amendment was passed in 1920, which legally gave women the right to vote, it only gave white women the right to vote, and it barred black women from the polls. It was only after the Civil Rights Movement in the 1960s that black women were able to vote in mass. And in fact, these suffragettes like Susan B. Anthony and Elizabeth Stanton actively kept black women from participating in the campaign for the right to vote fearing that their inclusion would keep Congress from sliding the favor or siding in their favor for women, you know, to be able to vote. And this was less than 70 years ago, maybe like less than 80 years ago, less than a hundred years ago. We're talking about how certain women were keeping other women from participating in campaigns and I have experienced this personally, professionally, only in the cannabis industry mm-hmm. where I'm per, where I'm excluded, where I'm not invited or I'm not, you know, engaged to participate in things that one, I'm either the expert on the topic or the subject or I'm actively involved in in the change that creates whatever the movement is trying to trying to you know purport or move um but i i just i just see it as uh kind of this uh illusion of um yes, there are women that definitely want to help other women in cannabis. And yes, there are women who support other women in cannabis, but it's our responsibility and goes back to our accountability to say like, hey there are some things that are not right or hey this is a panel of all white women again Mm in 2022 like why are we still having panels of all white women when we know that there are more women coming into this industry and that women not being in cannabis is an is uh, is just an absolute myth We've talked about this before and like you stated earlier, women are in cannabis, but maybe they're not in the C-suite role, which doesn't mean that they're not important or that they shouldn't be counted or that their experience doesn't matter. Um, There are multiple women in uh, this industry um, who come into the industry every day, the content creators, the influencers, it's you know it it honestly seems like it's a little bit of misinformation to say that women are not in this industry because women are the ones who make the decisions for what gets bought in the household most of the time you know the women are the ones that go to the grocery store so why would uh, how how i just don't understand how women um I mean, and I've I've read the study, I've looked at the numbers, and it just doesn't it just doesn't add up to me because my experience is different.
1: Yeah, exactly. And also, let me tell you something just to touch on what you were saying with the suffragettes. I was recently listening to something about that um, uh, from the book that I'm going to quote again, Beck's White Feminism, which is a fantastic book. But one of the things that happened during that was that they, um, they, they, being the people that were you know, planning the the protest and, and the march and all of that for the women's right to vote, um, did not document the black women that were there. And there is, I think they said something like NAACP was able to say that there was 40 women there, but there's no documented proof because there wasn't wow. um the funds weren't allocated. And the white suffragettes were trying to use the excuse like that they never that they didn't have the money to put into the the campaign to get the additional oh, photos no. and the, and to document those experiences from the black women that were there. And so wow. basically that was the start of trying to capitalize feminism and make it a marketing <laughs> tool. Like it's a it's a yeah. huge marketing tool. And it's used in cannabis. And I see this whole thing where they have you know, certain brands have aesthetics and certain groups that are women positive or empowering us or quote to do that, you know, purport mm-hmm. to do that for me, I should say. Yeah. Um, they have a certain aesthetic, right? Like there's certain you you look through their social media and it's it's very pretty pictures, you know? Mm-hmm. You're not seeing people who are seeing representation. Right. Right. And that's the problem because most of the people that are in this industry as patients are not fitting into those molds and those aesthetics. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to quote one more thing here. It says, Now, she's talking about the, capital, uh, the capitalization of feminism and white feminism, really. Uh, With many high-earning public women espousing operating as individuals, feminism was reduced to a self-empowerment strategy, a way to get things a way to get more of the things you thought you deserved, a way to consume, but it also performs something far more sinister. Feminism became automatically imbued with agency agency and autonomy, starting popular feminist discourse with the lack of class literacy. Centering Mm. popular feminism, there meant that Centering popular feminism there meant that the women and other marginalized genders who didn't have the necessary means to secure independence or power in broader culture, in their families, in their communities, in their workplaces, were not a part of this conversation about becoming an optimized agent of self. And that is from Koa Beck. The book is White Feminism from the Suffragettes to, to Influencers and Who They Leave Behind.
0: Wow. I mean, that, that's fantastic. And that's, that's really right on the point. And another thing is like, it's also kind of, uh, oh, this is not gonna, uh, a lot of people aren't gonna like this. It's erasing black history. Yeah. Like Absolutely. when the suffragettes 100%. did not account For the black women being there, you're erasing, not you, they, (laughs) you know what I mean? That's erasing black history. And there's been enough of that. Right. (laughs) Yeah. There has been enough.
1: And you can't say things. like, I've heard so many reasons. Like if you're coming up with excuses, then that's when you should say, all right, I should stop with whatever this thing is until we can fix it. Because, you know, I hear things like, well, it's, it's, it's a very white area. It's, uh, you know, it, it, it just started off. Just, we didn't even realize it until, whoa, it was just overwhelming. No, you're in an industry that was literally <laughs> created on the backs of non-white people. OK, who are still mm-hmm. being not just imprisoned, but are are experiencing custodial issues with their children, experiencing mm-hmm. major job losses because of yous, experiencing, you know, extradition issues and things like that. Like, yeah. And so if you're not actively saying, OK, we're starting this thing and we need to make sure those people are involved from the moment we begin then you need to stop whatever it is you're doing (laughs) and reframe, refocus, because then otherwise it is this like false spirituality, this whole like, Oh, we're supporting each other. We're building each other up. We're elevating. You're not, you're, you're just maintaining, maintaining status quo. And Mm -hmm. what does that do? All it does is continue to oppress people who are already being oppressed, you know?
0: Right. And it's it's almost like uh I keep using the word echo chamber because it's it very much seems like it's the same cycle of stories and listicles and influencers. Um and, you know, I said something like, Don't even get me started on uh the wage gap when it comes to to the cannabis industry specifically for influencers. Cause a lot of the times right now, what we're seeing really in the cannabis industry is a lot of feminists coming forward and being like, women are not in cannabis. Women need more roles. Women aren't getting paid enough. Um, but they're not taking into account all the other aspects of what is the real issue. Right. Um, and it's more than just a wage gap like yeah. we've been talking about for the past 30 minutes. This right. is a deep, societal, systemic issue. To
1: talk about the influencers really quickly, I just want to make one little point, like to talk more about even more than the money, like how complicated it can get. Um, mm-hmm. We both know who Blunt Blow and Mama is, right? Shinotria. Mm-hmm. She has been doing the influencing influencer thing for a very long time. And mm-hmm. she has experienced, you know stigma and and hate mail things like that and she's not made nearly as much money as many white influencers but she deals with the added stress of possible you know intervention from something like child protective services Mm -hmm. same so do you and then i Mm -hmm. see white women doing these like videos on instagram saying you know white influencers saying oh i don't care if cps shows up because i am in a a illegal state and i use it safely like basically just being very like you know antagonistic right like just and, and yeah. also it's very tone deaf because yeah. people are still losing their children and custody yeah. and they're still experiencing many legal issues regarding it because it's still federally illegal. So it doesn't really matter what happens in your state at this point. And even if it right. becomes federally legal, there's so much in the child welfare laws, the way that they're written that still make it so that they can, they can mess up your life if they really want to, no mm-hmm. matter if it's,
0: Legal or not, mm-hmm. and that's like one of the scariest parts. I remember a couple years ago, I uh, I had to take a step back from my own personal, uh, like life and uh, industry content influencer level that, you know, I don't even like the word influencer because I, because I just don't. Um, I believe that if someone's, uh, you're a a creative, you're not an influencer. You're not influencing people to buy anything. You're just showing them that you like something. And if they like you, Mm -hmm. they will buy it like yeah that's marketing 101
1: yeah right (laughs) I know at this point let's I feel like everybody's in like it 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 is kind of just a stupid ass word but you know people use it It, it's like content creator I use content creator because I don't know what else to say at this point because I do create content in all different forms so uh yeah I don't know (laughs) but
0: anyway sorry to take you off topic (laughs) <laughs> I've seen more and more uh black influencers emerge uh into the cannabis market yeah. uh in the past honestly just in the past couple years because when I first started uh my events and started doing research and started working with uh cultivating spirits in the cannabis wedding expo back in 2016 there were no black cannabis influencers that I could find besides like Blunt Blowing Mama, the Dank Duchess, and these women that already Mm -hmm. kind of have uh, a footprint, uh, a digital footprint. And Mm -hmm. I mean, we, uh, this is a a topic for another time, but the, the regulations and the, the hurdles that, we have just as trying to use social media if you're a cannabis um creative uh, are very limited um you're a shadow banned you're blocked your hashtags are blocked you know it's it's really hard to be someone who's uh you know quote unquote an influencer especially if you're a woman in this industry because you just there's just more hurdles but it's not impossible and that's where this women supporting women actually does come in to be the accountability that we actually need is because if you know someone or you follow someone reach out to them start a conversation communicate like that's what like we are in this industry because we want to find other people that are kind of curious that do you know need help yeah. and relief and cannabis may be the only thing that worked for them but there's that line that we have to be careful not to cross of being like you know there's the there's the supporting women and then there's the the other aspect of not uh you know going online and being not like being critical, right not right. being critical not being um you know just not being smart in what you're doing and what you're putting out and continuing the same narrative doesn't doesn't really help move the movement forward. It, it actually yeah. keeps it pretty stagnant when we keep seeing the same listicles uh, or the same mm. panels of the same yeah. white women the same white people organized by white women who clearly hate to say it don't have any black friends and that's why these panels are so white because they don't have any black and can
1: i just (laughs) right and can i just say something to be even more brutally honest about it there's not one topic about cannabis that any white woman is more qualified to speak on than a woman of
0: absolutely
1: and so it's just like don't say oh well you had to be the one to talk or this there's no there's no reason for it put yourself in the back seat for a minute (laughs) right you will have your time to speak you have your time to speak. Yeah. You know, it's it's not, it's not your time right now. You know, it's just not right. like it, it. I don't know how else to say it because I I feel like sometimes I'm like, okay, I don't have to say it. Right. I don't have to say it anymore. And then I get, you know, these emails that are just packed full of entitlement with requests for me to, to pitch these people. I just met to other podcasts and things like that. And they're all white women. Like, I've only ever had these types of requests from white women. And it's just like, hey, hey. (laughs) Right. What are you doing? Look in the mirror, y'all. Look in the mirror. And and it may seem like I'm being mean, but this is where I get irritated because it's like, there is a big difference between gossip and the truth. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, you're just. So, fun fact, the word gossip came from journalists having to wait for the court to go in session, to be, you know, to come back from being a session, so they would go sip at the bar while they were waiting, and that's where it came from, you know, go sip on something. Anyway, um, (laughs) sorry, I just nerded out there with some trivia.
0: No, but you're exactly right. Like speaking up and being heard is different than gossiping. And you have a, like, you you should never let anyone make you feel bad for your experience because you cannot be silent when you've had an experience that can help someone else not get taken advantage of.
1: And I don't remember who quoted this originally, but it was something like, if you don't like what's written about you, you should have behaved better. And, and that's just the mm. truth. Like there mm-hmm. are a lot of parts of our lives that we're just uncomfortable with having out there, but then it's like, that's how we grow as uncomfortable. As it may seem. And it's, it's not gossiping just to say, Hey, you know what? You're not, this was not cool. That was not a cool thing that you did. And you know, maybe you don't say it that way. Maybe you do it another way, but like, just right. don't be so afraid of saying, the things that you want to say about other people's behavior, you know, because we're all human. (laughs)
0: Absolutely. I've gotten exactly. We're all human. And your personal accountability, the accountability to yourself is To speak up when something isn't right. And it doesn't matter. Like, I've had people, I've had one woman in particular email me and get mad because I told an organization that she decided not to pay me and decided to pay a white woman over me who was less qualified and did not have as much experience and actually had no actual cannabis certification or training in any aspect. And this woman was solely just an influencer. Um, and this woman got upset with me because I mentioned to the organization that I had done the work for, for free, that if I was to come back, I would like to be paid. Um, and I received an email like, how dare you speak about me? Like I'm unprofessional. And I was like, well, maybe if you behaved better, I wouldn't have had to tell my part. Like I wouldn't have had to tell my experience the way that it was, but You're not going to make me feel bad for sharing my experience. I don't fucking care if you don't like it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't do it that much anymore. But one way to get a company to like automatically apologize for shitty behavior is to publicly shame them on Twitter or something like, (laughs) hey, this is what happened. And then all of a sudden they're like, hey, how's it going? We love you. Mm -hmm. Can we help you? Yeah. And it's, (laughs) you know, it's like, yeah, well, okay. You could have just had, you know, good service or good product. That would have been cool (laughs) to start with. Or Or just not been an asshole. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But so... That (laughs) (laughs) part. So
0: so we've talked a lot about, like, what's wrong and what we can do to improve. um, But let's leave everybody with something that they can walk away with that's tangible. What can someone do today that... They can help, uh, they can help a woman that they know, they can help someone that maybe they don't know, but, you know, knowing's half the battle. And one of my friends says, you don't know what you don't know. And that's probably my favorite saying that I've heard this decade, because that's a lot of what it is. You don't know what you don't know. And there's a lot of people who don't know in this industry who are, you know, acting like they do know and when someone says hey that's not right or hey yeah. this isn't inclusive or this isn't diverse do you know <laughs> do you know that you know your your panel or your clubhouse room or your whatever of all you know majority white people that's actually not inclusive that's actually not diverse um mm-hmm. as you claim uh how can we how can we because you know I'm a black woman and you're a white woman, so this is really us you know quote unquote yeah. building a bridge um yeah. <laughs> to to really talk about this and be open and and give people solutions because right now, I'm not seeing solutions, I'm seeing a lot of the same thing yeah. just over and over again, and People, you know, people live in their own little social media bubble, which is their exclusive echo chamber to be like, look at this thing I'm doing. I'm doing it so great. And look at all these panels that I'm on and look at all the white people I'm surrounded with. And then when someone's like, wow, this is really white, they block you and they shut you down and they silence you.
1: Absolutely. I think one of my personal suggestions is to, you know, I mentioned it earlier, forego those. Uh aesthetics right like Mm. share things that you don't share something from somebody who has only 20 followers who's doing some really awesome work find somebody who people aren't talking about and share their posts actively share their posts every time you go on social media and and don't worry about like if they're talking about poverty or something like that that makes you uncomfortable Put it out there anyway, because you'll start a conversation and you'll learn something from that conversation, I bet. You know, so it's I think that's the number one thing, because this this being the cannabis industry and plant medicine in general is already so oversaturated. So like your brand doesn't really matter. Like your branding of your social media isn't really that important anymore. What's important is when you're what you're showing uh, what what your real reason is what's your why are you showing what your why is mm-hmm. that's what people want to know because we need su- we need substance in this industry we need to know what you're doing to give back we need to know what you're doing to put your money so to speak where your mouth is even if you don't have any money even if it's just mm-hmm. reposting or retweeting like that's a good way to start
0: Absolutely. I a hundred percent agree. And I think that marketers and cannabis actually don't give people more credit. It's like they market to people. It's like they market to a vapid, like to a vapid group of people. Like we know you got to give people more credit because they can see, they can see right through your bullshit and they know the intention of your product launch. Like they know it. If it's yeah. just to make money, if it's just to get a bigger margin in your dispensary, like yeah. these things, we yeah, know these market.
1: Yeah. From marketing's perspective, I've had clients tell me, oh, our client, our perspective client or target audience is everybody. I'm like, really? What are you doing to reflect that? Because I don't see that anywhere on your website, in your social media, none of it if you're really truly for everyone, then you're showing everything. You're showing mm-hmm. all of the aspects of this industry, the uncomfortable, the, you know, hard to talk about, the boring right. parts.
0: <laughs> right, because there are boring parts. There are boring parts. There are so exciting many. parts. Not everything is <laughs> not everything is so exciting and pretty and lush and flowers and cannabis. Like it's actually, that's the least of it. Um,
1: but yeah I don't even ever see that part of it like like all the parts that people talk about oh it should be so fun like I've never actually had that part I've never experienced those uh you know glossy magazine uh centerfolds (laughs) right right in real life I've written about them but I've never (laughs) right you know, you have.
0: I, <laughs> you I, have. Right, right. I feel like, like I have. the cannabis industry is a little bit of like playboy when playboy started yeah. and mm-hmm. it's, it's driven by the males. It's dominated by the males, but the women are speaking up and saying what's happening. And like, this is, this is just a real quick parallel. If like, we all know, I'm, I'm, I hope that everyone has started to watch the documentary series on A&E called Secrets of Playboy, um, because it talks about the assaults and the harassment that these women lived through continually in this space that was supposed to be quote unquote safe for the bunnies. Right. Um, and they were continually silenced. They were continually shot down. They were continually abused. Some were even kidnapped and like horrendous things happened to him there, or to them and multiple playmates have been murdered and like, the people like to say the past is not the future but if you don't know the past you will repeat it and these things that happen when we try to silence women and say that we're not going to speak up about things that are wrong are absolutely going down the wrong fucking road
1: yeah absolutely i've (laughs) had 100 percent, and also just to make that parallel go further like that whole you know movement whatever you want to call it playboy was supposed to it was lauded as this like civil rights movement in a way because right. he was supposedly so proactive in the civil rights movement, right? right. But he wasn't true these women like actual humans. And so therefore right. he wasn't really involved in the civil rights movement. But but it, it shows that parallel to the cannabis industry because it's like, oh well look at look at what we did. We right. we have some expungement clinics and we have, you know. Right this program that we support and da, 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 da. that's all well and good fine but beyond that what else you know Not, <laughs> let's boy. talk about what else isn't being talked about you know like you just said you don't know what you don't know and and that's why in this age especially with everything being so available to us we need to know this information we have to okay. have it available people need to be more transparent
0: Absolutely. Transparency is key. And I think on that note, that is a perfect way to wrap up this episode. And I sorry, 46 minutes has already gone by, but it definitely doesn't feel like it at all. Diana.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you so much for being here. Of course, it is an absolute pleasure, and I would love to have you back on to talk more about this. I hope that we see some changes. We know that whenever we have these conversations that it does promote change because we we ourselves are actively putting these things into, in our daily lives. We're making sure that we are accountable and that we are uh, being transparent because that's the only way to really, like, that's the only way to learn and grow is if you get a little bit uncomfortable
1: absolutely i couldn't agree more thank you so much
0: thank you and i hope you have a great rest of your day and thank you all for listening thanks so much for listening to this episode of metaphysical af be sure to like and subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts Connection with self, body, and universe is essential to mindful practice, and yet we so often struggle to make time to reconnect with ourselves. There are times for realism, and there are times for our imagination to take hold. The Metaphysical Cannabis Oracle Deck is designed to help you tap into your intuition, encouraging reflection and opening the third eye through herbal healing. Written by Maggie Wilson, the first black female cannabis sommelier, it combines her expertise with richly illustrated cards by evocative artist Ijiwa Ebenevi. These cards will teach you how to free your mind and let your connection to the universe unfold. The deck will be featured in three international museums in Amsterdam, Italy, and Barcelona. The Metaphysical Cannabis Oracle Deck is available at unionsquareandco.com. Also available at Barnes & Noble, Books-A-Million, Amazon, IndieBound, Bookshop, Thriftbooks, Walmart, and multiple international retailers. Slabs are California's award-winning, healthiest edible. Born in 2015, transitioned in 2018, and kosher certified in 2019, Slabs has pushed nature's candy, fruit, mixed with the devil's lettuce, cannabis, since before it was trendy. Without any added sugars, artificial ingredients, pectin, gelatin, or animal parts, and made using sustainably sourced organic fruit sources and packaged in biodegradable pouches, fruit slabs are not only safe for all diets and dietary restrictions, but also for the planet. With 5 ingredients or less per skew, 10 calories or less per serving, and 1 calorie or less per milligram served, Fruit Slabs are the standard for healthy, functional food in California's licensed cannabis marketplace. Available in CBD at www.fruitslabscbd.com.